wrestling. We're talking about Jacob. We're talking, we've, we've been looking at the life of Jacob and talking about the life of Jacob. One thing that you should know about Jacob is that Jacob was a, is a, was a born wrestler. Um, but the other thing that we should identify and acknowledge is that we are all born wrestlers. From the moment that we are born, we begin to, to wrestle, constantly grasping for more, to be first, to be known, to be loved, to be blessed, even to leave a legacy. We wrestle. We wrestle spiritually. We wrestle emotionally. We wrestle relationally. We wrestle spiritually throughout our lives. And God continues to call out to us. He keeps calling out to us over and over again. Even in the midst of our wrestling, he calls out to us to tell us that we are his, we are loved, and we will overcome. Amen? Now, last week, I didn't get enough amens. Amen. And so I told the teens this week, they're my amen row, okay? Now, now here's what I would say. If you're young, if you're young at heart, you're my amen row. Somebody said, I'm the amen corner. And I said, all right, all right, I can, I can deal with that. I, I want to hear some amens. Um, not for my own glory. Uh, amen is so be it. It also means I agree. Okay, and so if you agree with the, the word of the Lord this morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call on you to, uh, to be my amen row, my amen corner. We wrestle, we wrestle, we wrestle, we wrestle. And I told you that today I'm going to ask this question for the final time. What are you wrestling with right now? Maybe you came in here this morning and you can easily identify what it is you've been wrestling with or what it is you're wrestling with this morning. Maybe for some of you it's a little bit more difficult and you have to dig a little bit deeper to identify what it is you are wrestling with. But I tend to believe that we as human beings that we are always wrestling with something and that's not always a bad thing. What are you wrestling with Right now, Genesis chapter 32, which is where we're going to be going today. Genesis chapter 32, Jacob finds himself afraid and distressed. Afraid and distressed as he prepares to meet his older brother Esau. The one whom he had been wrestling with his entire life. Jacob stands then on the ford of Jabbok. Having fled the land of his father in Canaan some 20 years before this, Jacob stands here. Now, something we can identify, we've talked about this these last few weeks, is one, the family dynamics in Jacob's family. Jacob's family, uh, Jacob's father, Isaac. It says, Isaac the father loved Esau more. Jacob, as the father, he chose his older son Esau, and it says he loves him more. He was clearly his favorite. Can you imagine? Rebecca, the mother, says that she loved Jacob more than Esau. I imagine as I've wrestled with this 
this scripture that this created quite an interesting dynamic in the household, quite an interesting dynamic within their family. Dad loves older brother more, mom loves younger brother more. They're, they're showering each one of them and in, in throughout their lives with different blessings and with love in different ways. The family dynamic. And so Jacob, always feeling like he is the lesser, because dad loves Esau more, always feeling like he is the lesser, Jacob then, one day as Esau comes in from the open country, it says, he's been out there hunting, he's been out there killing wild game, and and camping out in the wilderness, a man's man says he's covered in hair. I love that. I don't know why that was important, but I've, I I just keep coming back to that. Esau comes in one day, and there stands Jacob in his apron at the stove, cooking a nice big batch of red stew. Esau says, "I'm starving." I'm famished. Give me some of that stew. Jacob sees his opportunity, right? And he he jumps on Esau's weakness. He gives him some stew, but not before he says, if you want this bowl of stew, you're going to give me your birthright. You're going to give me your name. You're going to give me the upper hand in the family. You're going to give me your birthright if you want a bowl of stew. So Esau does it. In that moment of weakness, he makes that transaction. He takes the stew. He gives his birthright up. And then it says that Esau, later on, after finishing the stew, he looks at this empty bowl and it says he despises his birthright. And in that, he despises Jacob. Years go on then. Their father Isaac is getting sick. He's on his deathbed. And Jacob, through the the urging of his mother Rebekah, he sees his opportunity to take his brother Esau's blessing. And so he he goes and he puts his costume on. He puts on the scent of his older brother Esau. He takes some food that his mother has, has prepared in the kitchen while Esau's out hunting. And he goes and he deceives his father. And he, he, he steals his older brother's blessing from his father. This throws Esau into this murderous rage, right? I'm going to kill him. As soon as I'm done grieving the loss of my father, I'm going to kill Jacob. Jacob's mother says, you better get out of here, leave town, go see your uncle, go live with him for a while. You know, I I love you, Jacob. I don't want you to be killed by your brother. Get out of town. So Jacob runs out of town. He makes his way to Haran. About halfway there, Jacob stops for the night, and he hears for the very first time, he hears the word of the Lord coming on him, the blessing of the Lord coming on him, and he says, the Lord must be in this place. And at that moment, Jacob's life is changed because his heart is changed. His heart is softened. softened. And he's no longer the deceiver that we knew at a young, as a young man. Instead, now Jacob begins to walk in the Lord's blessing. See, it makes a big difference when we start walking in the Lord's blessing and we, start, and we stop reaching for what has never been ours, what's not promised from the Lord. But Jacob hears this blessing from the Lord. He begins to walk in the Lord's blessing. He lives in Haran with his uncle for about 20 years. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. He marries Leah. Then he marries Rachel. And then he hears the Lord tell him, 
Your time here in Haran is up. You are to return to the land of your father in Canaan. So now, that's my long build-up to say Jacob is getting ready to go back to Canaan. Jacob contemplates now what's in Canaan. We talked about this trek back to Canaan last week, but we missed this really, really juicy part right here in the middle of the story. Jacob stands on the fort of Jabbok on his way back to Canaan. He contemplates what's in Canaan. More precisely, Jacob contemplates who's in Canaan. He says that the kids are talking about relationships. Here's the conflict in their relationship. I don't want to go back and face my brother because last time I saw him, he was going to kill me. Last I saw him, I had done a dirty deed on my brother. And I don't, want to, I don't want to come face to face with him again. Anybody else ever find themselves in that camp? I don't want to, I don't want to cross paths with that person because I did them dirty. I did them wrong. You're not going to admit it. That's okay. Jacob, he stands. Verse 30, or chapter 32, verse 7 says, He has great fear and distress in his heart. And in this great fear and distress, Jacob decides his best plan of action is to divide the people, to divide his possession. And so he does that and he prepares some gifts. He's going to send some gifts to his brother Esau. He's going to send them on ahead to his brother Esau. So chapter 32, here we are. I hope you had time to look it up. Chapter 32, verse 17, this is what it says. He instructs the one in the lead. When my brother Esau meets you and asks, to whom do you belong? And where are you going? And who owns all of these animals in front of you? Then you are to say, and this is very, very, very important. So listen here. Here it is. You are to say this. Jacob instructs him to say this. They belong to your servant, Jacob. Jacob does this all on his own. He comes up with that title for himself all on his own. They belong to your servant, Jacob. But that's not enough. They are a gift. He says, you're you're supposed to say that they belong to your servant. Your servant. They're talking to Esau. They belong to your servant, Jacob. They are a gift sent to, you ready? My Lord, Esau. And he, that is Jacob, is coming up behind us. I'm going to come back to why that's so important. My ser- your servant, Jacob. My Lord, Esau. Let's keep reading verse 21. So Jacob's gifts went on ahead of him, but he himself spent the night in the camp. At that night, Jacob got up He took his two wives, his two maidservants, his 11 sons, and he crossed the fort of Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over his possessions. Now he's alone. Verse 23, he's alone. And now about midnight, middle of the night, in the complete darkness, Jacob stands alone at the camp at the ford of Jabbok. Now, I don't know how many 
night owls we have, or maybe you're a morning person, maybe you even work the night shift. For some people, midnight is very, very late. For some people, midnight is very, very early. But either way, it cannot be disputed, unless you're living in Alaska, midnight is complete darkness. And in this darkness, Jacob finds himself in the most suitable season for contemplation, for self-examination, for meditation, for devotion. And so Jacob, in the darkness, he finds himself contemplating what's in Canaan, who's in Canaan, what do I still have to my name? Jacob stands there in the darkness and he stands there completely alone, surrounded in solitude, and he begins to wrestle with himself. He begins to wrestle within his soul. He begins to wrestle with the Lord. And he begins to, to discover what he is called to be. Friends, I ask, what are you wrestling with right now? What are you wrestling with right now? Have you been wrestling with your, within yourself? Contemplating within yourself, self-reflection, self-examination. Many people continuously wrestle within themselves. Searching for answers within themselves, within their own mind. Searching for the strength within their own body, within their, their own strength. And many people do this year after year after year, thinking, well, if I can just figure out a new plan, if I can just map out a new approach, if I can just try harder, then I'm going to succeed. Then I'm going to conquer. Then I'm going to find victory in this wrestling match. But it never happens. And that's because God's ways are not, are not our ways. And that's because God's strength is greater than any strength that we could ever muster within ourselves. And it doesn't matter how long we spend in ourselves looking deep within our heart, deep within our mind, deep within our own strength, we're never going to find victory in this wrestling match. Verse 24, Jacob then was left alone. And it says, a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Who this man is, Jacob doesn't know. And the text does not yet say in verse 24. Who this man is, Jacob does not know. All he knows is that he is in a wrestling match with a very strong contender. Someone that we later find out to be God himself. And when this mysterious conflict began, how Jacob was engaged at the moment of this man's approach is unknown. We find that the scripture is silent on that as well. Though it's possible that Jacob was engaged in deep contemplation, prayer, when he suddenly found himself wrapped up, tied up, squared up with 
in a physical and an emotional and in a spiritual struggle with this unknown man. I said Jacob would soon find out that this man was the visible revelation of the invisible God himself. Jacob then finds himself alone with God in the middle of the night. Now, I don't know what you're wrestling with right now, but here's my question to you. In your wrestling, have you gotten alone with God? Have you gotten alone with God and stopped all of this self-reflection, looking within yourself, looking within your own strength? Have you gotten alone with God? As I said, by nature, Jacob is a wrestler. By nature, we're all wrestlers. Early in his life, Jacob took that birthright from his brother Esau. Jacob then later deceives his father and steals Esau's blessing from him. But now, Jacob finds himself here in chapter 32 of Genesis. In great fear and distress, he has abandoned everything. He had, he had left behind the land that he had come to possess. He sent his servants, his livestock, his possession, his wives, his children on up ahead of him. He refers to Esau as my Lord Esau. He refers to himself as your servant Jacob. Verse 24, so Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. I said in great fear and distress, Jacob had abandoned everything that he had come to possess. Now he's even coming to that point where he's realizing, you know, I don't have anything left. Even the things that I stole when I was younger, I just gave them away. Now I'm the servant. He's the master. I've given him the upper hand. I don't even have my own, my, my father's blessing. I've given that away as well. Verse 25, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked Jacob. Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men, and you have overcome. Beginning at midnight, lasting all the way until daybreak, this physical and emotional and spiritual struggle continues, revealing the, the earnestness and the, the great determination that Jacob possessed in this season of his life, I will not let you go until you bless me. I need it so very desperately, and I'm determined not to let you go. Once Jacob realized that he is alone with God, he said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. 
I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you're wrestling with in this season of your life. But let me ask you this. Have you gotten alone with God in your wrestling? Have you gotten alone with God determined to overcome? It's interesting. It's interesting to me. There's so much in this passage. I I could just keep going, but we'd never get to the baptism it's, it's interesting to me, though, that these two men, they, they appear to be evenly matched, don't they? That's what it says. When the man realized, uh, saw, verse 25, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. It appears at first that these two wrestlers appear to be equally matched in their strength and in their skill. As if neither would be able to find victory. And it's, it's a struggle when we don't quite comprehend what happens next. Because what we see is, here is Jacob, the deceiver. Here is Jacob, an ordinary man. He's locked up with God in the, 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 the flesh. He's wrestling with him. And he says, I'm not going to let you go. And God can't get away from Jacob. What is some, is, is God suddenly some weak being? He can't get away from Jacob. Jacob, who's afraid that Esau's soon going to come and murder him. And he can't, and God can't overcome him. It's interesting that these two seem to be equally matched until the man touches the socket of Jacob's hip with his fingertip. And he knocks it out of joint. I mean, I love that. He touches the socket of Jacob's... Sorry, Jacob, I love that. He touches his socket, and suddenly Jacob is overcome with pain, which reveals to Jacob, and it reveals to us that it was only through his grace and his mercy that he allowed Jacob to wrestle this long. What are you wrestling with right now? Could it be this morning that God has allowed you to wrestle with that for many, many years? Has, could it be that God has allowed you to stay in this struggle only through his grace and only through his mercy? Because he wants to pronounce over you that you will no longer be the deceiver. You will no longer be the wrestler. You will no longer be the one that that just continues to struggle and to deceive and to steal. Could it be that God has allowed you to stay in this wrestling match because he wants to reveal his grace and his mercy to you. And he wants to pronounce over you that you are an overcomer. Just as he does with Jacob here. In your wrestling, have you gotten alone with God? In your wrestling, have you gotten alone with God determined to overcome? Have you recognized his power over you? Have you acknowledged his grace to you? Have you called out to him for your personal blessing? The man said to Jacob, God said to Jacob, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, 
Because you have struggled with God and with men, and you have overcome. What are you wrestling with right now? What are you wrestling with right now? And what are you going to do next? As I said, we could just keep going and digging into this passage. It's, it's interesting to me as well that at daybreak, at daybreak, the man says to Jacob, let me go for it is daybreak. What, did, did God have somewhere to be? No, but Jacob sure did. He said, let me go. We've, we've wrestled long enough. It's daybreak. You're wasting time. Get out there and do what you have been called to do. Go out there and live in this blessing. I don't know what you're wrestling with right now. But my question to you is, what are you going to do next? Once you've, once you've gone alone with God, once you've acknowledged his grace, once you've recognized his power, once you've heard that personal blessing from the Lord, what are we going to do with it? 